Good morning. It's good to see you guys. I'm sure some of you are here uh, for the first time, and so we're so glad you guys are here. Uh, as people come in, there's still people coming in. If you can kind of make room, if you see somebody standing in the aisle kind of awkwardly, just be nice and just scoot over a little bit. That'd be great. So uh, so good to have Nathan back with us, and uh, it was good to have him. Uh, and so part of the reason Nathan's here is Justin. You guys may know Justin, a uh, six-foot-four guy, makes me look really small. Uh, sometimes uh, he was supposed to lead worship this week, uh, and his, his brother Chad, who plays keyboards, their father uh, is in the last stages kind of of his battle with um, cancer and stuff. And so, uh, so Nathan was gracious to fill in for us this week, and so we're praying for Justin and his family, but obviously it's awesome to have Nathan back with us this Sunday. So we are in this series, Come and See, and it's based on this idea. Oh, one more thing, this table. I keep, I forgot about this. How did I forget about this giant thing sitting in front of me? Um, so we are doing this table raffle. We've had people signing up. Uh, we're going to do that Tuesday at noon. It's going to be a Facebook Live. I realize some of you work and may not be able to be on Facebook during that time. Uh, but we're going to contact the winner and all that. And then you got to come and pick it up, and I'll help you with that because it's big and heavy. So uh, we will do that because I know people have signed up for that. And all the proceeds from raffling this uh, is going to go towards some building renovations that need to take place here. So all that to say, we're in this come and see. It started by this invitation of Jesus to these guys. And so when Jesus starts his ministry... There's a lot of confusion, there's a lot of questions, and so Jesus' response is simply just come and see. Come and see, kind of experience this, come see, come follow him, and see if this thing is real. Now, we started a story last week that's a really weird story, an odd story, and if you missed it, uh, we'll get into it here in a second, but, but part of the reason that I love this story that we're going to kind of finish up today is the oddity of it, but also just some of the messaging that comes through it, and it's a confusing story, it's a weird story to some people, and, and the reason I like it is simply this. Um, if we're honest, and I know for some of you, maybe you've never heard somebody in my position say this. Um, I understand that this whole thing can be confusing. Like, I understand that God and Jesus and the Bible, like, it can be confusing. It can be hard to process sometimes. It can be kind of weird at times. I, I understand all of that. And then you talk about the church, which is the body of believers that gather together. And here's the thing about church you have to understand, and I understand this more than anything. It can make it especially confusing. And part of the reason it can make it confusing and often frustrating is because the church is made of people. And people, in case you don't know, are confusing and frustrating. And you're people, so you're confusing and frustrating, just like I'm confusing and frustrating. So add that on top of the whole mystery of God and Jesus and all of that, and I understand that it can be confusing. And what comes with this confusion sometimes is questions. You have questions, you have concerns, you have doubts, and so you have some of these. And to be honest with you, sometimes church is not always a safe space for those. And you've made to be maybe feel at different points in your life like you couldn't ask those questions. But, but here's what you have to know. Um, for all of us, that's a reality. We all have those questions. We all have those concerns. Um, in fact, some of the questions and concerns that you may have are some of the same ones that I have. And then you see people who have these questions and concerns. And they just keep like plowing along. And, and, and what happens is this when it comes to faith, and you have to understand that. It's not that we got all of our questions answered. And it, it's not that, that all of our doubts just went away. And it's not that all of the confusion, we're not aware of it. It's just that something happened. And that thing that happened was this experience with Jesus. And all of a sudden, the questions, while still there, just got a little bit smaller. 
and it reframed some of them, and it allowed us to have some times. And see, the thing is, we can't explain everything, but we had this very personal experience, this undeniable experience for many of us, and all of a sudden now those questions kind of shrink. The reality is, is that me and you could go grab coffee and we could sit there and we could go through all these questions. Well, what about and why would and how could and if there's a God and I get all of those things and we could go round and round and round. And the reality is nobody, including me, may be able to answer all of your questions. But in light of all of that, for many of us, we've had this experience with Jesus and that experience should be kind of guided by two other questions. And those two questions are simply this, who was he and what happened? Who was he and what happened? And this story that we started last week is an example of that. So to recap, it's John chapter 9. Jesus is kind of moving on in his ministry. And the story starts, if you missed last week, that he's walking along with his disciples and he's teaching them and they're walking through this village. And all of a sudden they see this blonde guy, this beggar. And the line starts like this. It says, Jesus saw the beggar. He saw the blind man. And I love that language that I told you guys last week because the reality is for this guy, he was invisible to everyone else. Nobody saw. Most people didn't care. They walked right past him. But Jesus actually sees him. And Jesus engages this guy that most people would not have engaged and most people would have walked right past And we know at this point in the story that this guy's been blind since birth, as we talked about. And and so we talked about this idea that in their culture versus our culture, like there's differences. People are born with disabilities. Oftentimes in their cultures, if you had a child that was born with a disability, rather than try to get the care and the help that that child need, you would just abandon that child. And there are people we see, especially in the first century, and this is how Christians kind of got their their mojo, was the Christians would say, well, that's not okay because all life is precious to God. And they would actually take those children in. But, but at this point in the story, a lot of that hasn't happened. And so here's this guy, maybe since a child, everybody's ignored, but all of a sudden Jesus engages him. And what's fascinating is, is we know that Jesus at this point has healed some people. He's actually even healed a blind person at this point. And, and, and so maybe this guy has some optimism that Jesus is going to come into his life and this amazing thing is going to happen. And as we saw last week, his disciples so insensitively, rather than kind of prompt Jesus to heal this man who's clearly afflicted and clearly in pain, they start a theological conversation about sin. And Jesus, he kind of engages them, and then there's this one line that maybe you skipped over last week, but it's really important. And Jesus says this, he says, I am the light of the world. And this is the same language that John uses when he starts his gospel about Jesus. And essentially the language is this, and this is to some people extraordinarily arrogant that Jesus would say this, but here's what he's saying. He says, listen, until I got here, there's a lot of confusion. And there's a lot of people in the dark. And there's a lot of confusion about God, and there's a lot of confusion about faith, and there's a lot of confusion about how God interacts with the world. And so let me tell you, I am the light of the world, so I'm here to clear up a lot of that confusion. I'm here to answer some of those questions that maybe we're wrestling with. And then he does the weird thing, right? And he takes this blind guy, and what's crazy about this story is that we know that earlier Jesus heals this blind guy by just being like in the presence of him, and and we know that people are healed by just Jesus saying the words. But in this story, Jesus starts to spit on the ground. 
And again, we, we made mention the guy is blind, not deaf, okay? And so Jesus starts to spit on the ground and spits enough that he's able to make mud pies, right? And then he sticks them on the guy's face and he tells him to go and to wash. And then Jesus walks away. But this guy, he goes down to this pool. And as we said last week, he washes this mud away. And all of a sudden, he can see. It's a miracle, and see, that's where some of us run into the problem with stories like this is it is a miracle. And, and so the problem of some of these things is it seems unexplainable. It seems like, how is this even possible? But for this guy, even though for most of us looking at the story and the people looking at the story right then, it's unexplainable. For this guy, it's undeniable. I was blind. Now I see. I don't know how it happened. And his whole life is about to be changed. And this should be the greatest moment in his life. And all of the people should be standing there looking at this moment, looking at this guy, looking at this circumstance. Because this guy's had an encounter with Jesus and everything changed. And that's where the trouble begins. So let's pick up in verse 8. And it says, His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was, and others said, no, he only looks like him, right? Which is a weird, like, he just looks like the guy, right? You know, same clothes, same haircut, same everything else, but this clearly can't be. And you have to understand the confusion, because it's not like every day that blind people can just see. And so you got to think about this, whenever he would walk to this spot, wherever, or maybe he lived there, we don't know, but whenever he got around, it's not like today where he had like a seeing eye dog or a cane or something like this. So he had to stumble to where he was at or have people help him. And now all of a sudden this guy's just walking up to everybody like, hey, what's going on? Trees, that's what they look like. Okay. You know, and, and so it's this weird story. And so the guy insists that he says this, and I love this. He says, no, I'm, I'm that guy. Like, that's me. Like, that, I'm the man, which doesn't make sense right but he insists i'm the guy like this happened to me we're not talking theoretical philosophical no like i'm the guy that jesus just did this to and verse 10 goes on to say how then were your eyes opened they asked and he replied the man they called jesus made some mud we're not going to get into the details of how he made it but he made some mud and he put it on my eyes and he told me to go to salome and wash so I went and washed, then I could see. And that's an explanation, but it's confusing, isn't it? And see, I think that's sometimes what happens when we have these encounters with Jesus is there's an explanation. But some people, they, they see the result of the change that's happened in our hearts and our minds, and they've seen the change that's happened. And, and, you know, that's an explanation, but it doesn't make sense because you were like this, and now you're like this, and this is who you were before, and now you're like this. And, and, and we know the old you, right? right? We, we know who you were. So, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but it just doesn't make any sense. So, like, tell us, like, how did this happen? And so they're, they're wanting to know, like, if this happened, well, then who did this to you? And so um, they ask a really stupid question, at least to a, a blind person, right? They say, verse 12, where is this man? Uh, I don't know. I was blind, so I didn't really see where he went. Like, there's that thing. Like, remember that whole part where I was blind and he walked away? He told me to go wash. And, and so I don't know. I, don't, I didn't see where he went. So verse 13 so if you got a confusion, we'll bring in the religious people. 
So they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had been made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. Now, the Sabbath, you may have heard of if you grew up in church, it's not as big of a deal to us, but essentially the Sabbath is this day of rest. Um, it's one of the laws, one of the rules to honor the Sabbath, and, and they took this day seriously. And the idea behind this day was that you, you work all of this time, and then you need to take a day to rest to remind yourself of why you actually did all that work. Like, you do all of this work to have life, you should actually take a day and actually sit and relax and enjoy your life, but also worship the God who gave you the opportunity to have the life that you have. And, and so it was a day of rest, and it was very important to them and it was even a part of their culture and their thing and it was so and I think we need to embrace this and some of you because some of you guys we're going 100 miles an hour and you're working and you're coaching sports and you're doing this and I'm just going to tell you this you're stressing everybody out including yourself and so maybe you need some rest but but the Jewish people they took it a little far and so part of the rules behind the Sabbath was this idea that like if you have to walk somewhere, like it might be a little taxing and so that might be too much work. And so there's even stories where they would like tie a piece of rope to their leg and then tie it to their bedpost. And if they walked, they had to walk further than that rope would allow them, they couldn't go any further because that was too much work. Now, one of the rules was you couldn't do any baking or cooking on this day. So you would often do your baking and cooking for the Sabbath day the day before. And one of the rules was that you weren't allowed to knead or make dough or clay. And Jesus, when he takes the dirt and the spit and kneads it together to make this clay, to put on this man's eyes, he's breaking the Sabbath. Interestingly enough, and this is just fun to think about, the same language in the Hebrew that then translates to Greek about this idea of forming this clay is the same language that the Bible gives us in Genesis 2 when it says, and then God took the dirt of the earth and formed man. See, Jesus has been doing this since the beginning. So this is a big deal to them. Like, how could Jesus do this? I mean, he's breaking the law. He's doing all of this. And so, therefore, verse 15, the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed it and now I see. Like, this is just what happened. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. And others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? And so they were divided because they don't know what to do with this situation. I mean, obviously, this is something amazing if this story is true. But this guy also broke the rules of God in their minds. And this is what they did that I think some of us do when it comes to what God is allowed to do and not allowed to do in life. And see, for some of us, part of the confusion about God is, and maybe you've never heard this language, is all of us in our minds at least have like a God box. And so we have these parameters, we have these ideas, and we kind of put God into this box on what he can and can't do and and how he can work and how he does it. And theologically and philosophically, we have all these ideas. And so all of this, and and so sometimes we put God in the box and we're like, well, God can work in this ways, but, but he can't work in these ways. Or for some of us, here's where most of us do, we allow God to work in certain spaces in our life. Like Sunday mornings, you guys are all like, God, bring it on. And then Monday, you're like, I'm going to put you back in this box. We're going to set you over here, and then we'll wait till Sunday, and we'll get you back out, and it'll be great again. It'll be a fun time. And so we all have these ideas of what God is and isn't. The problem with that is that's all made up for the most part. See, whenever you try to explain God with nice, neat lines, 
And something that we can fully explain, the reality is, is you're not talking about God anymore. And so for these Pharisees, they had a God box. And God operates in these ways. And some of these ways they believe God operates is based on his word and based on the past. But they also forget the idea that comes out of the Old Testament that God is also doing a new thing. And so here's what God does. Here's what God looks like. And God would never, ever do a miracle on the Sabbath. Isn't it interesting that they're trying to tell God the rules that he's allowed to operate within? And so here's what they do. They can't explain it. And so they reject it. And that's what they did. And that's what we often do. If it doesn't make sense to me, if it doesn't fit into my worldview or my understanding, then we reject it. It's unexplainable to us, and therefore we push it away. But for this guy, see, the problem is, yeah, I understand that this might be unexplainable to you, but it's undeniable to me. This happened. So what are we going to go with, the unexplainable or the undeniable? And so they're divided. And this exchange, if you read it, I don't have time for, for today, but you should read that chapter. You should read your Bibles. It's fun. And so uh, in John chapter 9, they get so confused, they start to think, well, maybe this isn't the same guy. Maybe this is like some trick or some hoax that Jesus and his disciples are playing. So they actually go and they find the guy's parents. And they bring his parents in and they're like, hey, is this really your son? And, and see, they don't, this doesn't fit in their worldview at all. It doesn't make sense to them. And so they're trying to find any way possible to prove that this couldn't happen. And what I love is the question for me that comes out of this and maybe the challenge that some of us have to wrestle with when it comes to God and our worldview and our understanding of how God works not only in our lives but in the lives of people. Is it possible that your view of God might be wrong? I mean, I know that's hard, and I know for a highly educated crowd like we have, like, no, no way, right? We got it all figured out. I get it. But could it be wrong? And that's hard. And that was the problem then, and for some of us, that's the problem today. See, they had already made their decision. They've already filtered everything through their worldview and their understanding. And so with Jesus here, it's an open and shut case. So verse 24, it goes on to say, A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. Like, we know this. Like, we know that God would not do this, and we know this. So just come on. If you want to worship God and give glory to God, tell us how this man did it, where he is, because we know this man is a sinner. And here's what he says, and this is why I've been telling this whole story for two weeks. Here's the reply. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. See, for some of us, this is the tension. See, when we come to faith, there's still all these questions and these doubts and these concerns. And, and sometimes we let those, those doubts and those concerns become bigger than the experience that we had. I, I, I don't know. Listen, I don't know how old the earth is. I've got thoughts. I can't explain how somebody rose from the dead. I've got thoughts. I can't explain some of these things. I, I, I honestly can't. I have ideas. I have thoughts. Here's what I know. I know I was blind, but now I see. And this is the pivotal verse. And see, for some of us, this is the pivotal moment we have to wrestle with. See, we weren't blind physically, a lot of us, like he was. We did not have the same struggles 
that he did. Now, we're differently blunt. See, I couldn't see. See, for some of us, it, it was this. I couldn't see what I was doing to myself. I couldn't see what I was doing to others. I couldn't see what I was doing to my family. I couldn't see what I was doing to my spouse. I couldn't see it. I was blind. I couldn't see the pain, the hurt, and the brokenness. But then Jesus stepped into my life, and I had an unexplainable experience, but was also undeniable. I was blind, and then I could see. And I know it's unexplainable to you, and I know it's unconfusing to you, and and I get it. I understand all of that. And he's pleading with these guys. He's like, "I, I can't explain it. But it's undeniable. Verse 26. Then they asked, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And at this point, I love this guy. I love this guy. I can't wait to meet him one day. He says, I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to be his disciples too? Which ticked them off. This is supposed to be the greatest day of this guy's life. And these religious people, they just can't get with it. So they hurl insults at him. He's been made fun of his whole life. He's heard people talk about him his whole life. And this, this is the day that just changed all of that. And it eventually reaches the climax that the religious people actually throw him out. They push him out. And so here he is. He's made this decision. He, he's... He's, he's understanding some things. Jesus has done this thing in his life, but he's been rejected. And maybe that's the fear when it comes to faith for some of us. I can't explain everything that Jesus is doing in my life and in my heart and my mind. And so the fear is, well, how will people handle that? The fear is, what will people think? What will my family think? What will my friends think? What will my coworkers think? Like, what will they think? So I, I love what happened next is, that Jesus hears it. Jesus hears that they had thrown him out in verse 35. And when he found him, should come up on the screen, I think, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the guy replies, honestly, who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe him. And Jesus said, and this line, oh, I love this line. Jesus says, verse 37, You have now seen him. And see, it's lost on us because we've always seen things, right? Do you you hear the language here? This guy hasn't seen anything his whole life. And now one of the first images that he's going to have is that he gets to see Jesus. You've seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. People often ask me, like, about this whole thing. They'll say, do you ever doubt? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. In fact, the scary thing is, is I've I've studied this enough, and I know enough that I have doubts and concerns that you haven't even thought about. And so we would sit down and you'd be like, well, I wrestle with this and these are my questions. And I'll be like, well, hold on a second. Here's this one, you know. 
But the other side of that is not just the knowledge. The other side of that is because of my job, like I get it brought into all kinds of tragedies. And I get brought into all kinds of pain and heartache that people go through. I see the best in people, but I also get to see the worst in people. And so the question, do I ever doubt, is of course, yeah. But see, let me tell you when I doubt the most. I doubt when I get focused on what's unexplainable and lose sight of what's undeniable. I begin to doubt when I forget what God has done, and I begin to focus on the things I can't get him to do. I start to doubt when I lose sight of the things I've experienced and seen and only see and think about the things that might happen. I begin to doubt God when I say, you're not acting the way I thought you should act. See, just like you and just like many people, including these religious people back then, I can get so fixated on the unexplainable that I often lose sight of the undeniable. But here's what I know that that for many centuries people have said is undeniable and, and the point that changed it for me. See, the questions are, who was he and what did he do? So 2,000 years ago, this guy shows up in Palestine, which is this small region in the Middle East, and this guy shows up in Galilee, and he's from Nazareth. And what is the question of week one? What good can come from Nazareth? Nobody knew. But this guy comes up, and he's the son of a carpenter turned quasi-rabbi, and then he goes around and starts preaching these messages. And you got to understand, the message that Jesus preached It was completely irrelevant to the world that they lived in, and it's irrelevant to most of our worldviews today. He would say things like, oh, uh, you know what? You're supposed to love your neighbor. Okay, but also you're supposed to love and do good things for your enemy. Well, that sounds stupid, right? And then he would say things like, you know what? If someone asks you to go a mile, just go ahead and go two miles. Just go ahead and do it. Or this message of, you know what? You're supposed to love everybody. Even the people that don't agree with you, even the people that don't like you, and even the people that may curse you. And then he makes claims. He says, like, I'm the light of the world. I mean, listen, if someone came to you right now and said, I'm the light of the world, you'd be like, you're crazy. And yet Jesus does this, and and people start to resonate with this message. And the reality is that Jesus' message... If something hadn't happened, should never have made it out of his lifetime. It never should have made it out of the first century. We should have never heard the name Jesus unless something happened. And what happened is, he tells people, I'm going to die and then I'm going to rise again from the dead. And just so you know, that's not normal. People don't do that. And people certainly maybe have said something like that, but then actually don't do it. Because what we see at the end of the story is that there's hundreds and hundreds of eyewitnesses that said, we are witnesses to these things. And that's one thing to say that you saw something. See, season, people will give their life for things they believe all the time. But it wasn't just something they believed. What these guys, these men, and these women said is they gave their life not for something they just believed. They gave their lives for something they saw. 
And to them, it was so undeniable that if you study the stories of these men and women, they're given chances to recant their stories, and they say, I can't. And so because something happened 2,000 years later on every continent in the world, in every country on the world, in languages you don't even know exist, there are men and women who will tell you about a personal interaction an experience they had with God through Jesus in which they were blind and now they see. And what's undeniable for these people is what happened. And they'll tell people, and you'll hear people, people will tell you their story of their encounters with Jesus. And sometimes their encounters take place in pain and tragedy, which is why you should always be careful to use pain and tragedy as an excuse that there is no God because some people, that's the moment that God meets them. For some people, it was an intellectual pursuit. And then they find these passages, they find these stories, and they find the history of what actually happened, not what they were told. Sometimes in the midst of the unexplainable, these things happen. See, you may not know anybody or in this lifetime meet anybody who was physically blind that Jesus healed, but you will constantly meet people who were emotionally, spiritually, and relationally blind They were blind, they couldn't see, and then they met Jesus and it changed everything. And I'm willing to bet money for most of us, that's our story. See, we talked about the human condition last week. What I love about the story is when God looked down on this earth and the human condition, he decided not to have a QA and a and just to give some information and some explanations, he decided to do the most personal thing that he could do. He stepped into it. So I get it can be confusing, and I get you got a lot of questions, but all I ask is that you start with a couple of questions. Who is he, and what happened? See, that man was 2,000 years ago, he goes, "I I don't have all the answers, but see, I know that he did something for me. Something happened. And then he told me who he was and how, who am I to question when he can do these things. So this is a great place to start. I don't have all the answers, but what I do know is this. I was blind and now I see. And see, some of us, that's our story. That's where we are. But some of us, here's where you are. Go back to verse 36. Tell me who he is so that I may believe in him. And Jesus replies, you've seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking to you. And for some of us, we know it deep down inside. We've seen him. And we know who it is that's speaking to us. So the invitation is, you've got questions. We may not have the answers, but come and see. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the hope that we find in you. We thank you for that still small voice that speaks to some of us. We thank you for that loud boom that speaks to some of us. We thank you for the times that you've spoken to us um, in worship, the times you've spoken to us through messages or through friends or through family or through relationships. And, And God, the reality is every person that's ever come to faith, while not physically blind and maybe does not have as much of a dramatic story as this man right here, the reality is we were blind. We had an experience, and now we see more clearly. We see you more clearly. We see us more clearly. 
And God, my prayer is that we see the love, the grace, and the mercy that you offer us so freely, so clearly. And it's not just for us in this room. God, it says that you came into this world for the world. That you so loved the world that you gave your son. And so God, may we be people that understand the invitation that we're invited to come and see, but it's also an invitation that we take to others. And when we tell them our story, sometimes it's just as simple as saying, I don't have all the answers to all the questions, but here's the one thing I do know. I was blind and now I see. And it's undeniable what he's done in me. So we love you and we thank you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Every we come to this time, we celebrate communion. We actually physically celebrate the hope that we have in Jesus. And so the band's going to lead us in some worship. And so there were some communion stations on our way in. If you missed those, there's a couple baskets there. Um, And so all that we do every week is we want to remember this hope that we have in Jesus, celebrate this hope that we have in Jesus. And so all that we ask is we start to worship as you respond accordingly.